Well, today I am going to be continuing the series that I began last week, and if you weren't here, it was titled Extraordinary Living Part 2, and it's looking at the life of Joseph. Uh, in part one, just a, a little bit of a refresher for those who might not have been here. I said this, I said, if your dream isn't bigger than you, then it is probably not from God. Would you agree? Because when God gives us something to do, he wants the glory. And if we can do it all on our own, then why do we need him, right? We then began looking at the life of Joseph found in uh, Genesis chapter 37. And I suggested there that sometimes God takes his people through the wilderness before they get to the promised land. How many have been there, done that, bought the t-shirt? All right. It's not easy, is it, being a, a Christian? And I, I, Sometimes I get frustrated when I hear preachers, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but just when I hear them always preaching a warm and fuzzy message because I know Jesus himself went through hardship he suffered and we do too but we're not in it alone and I think that's the part we all need to recognize as we look at Joseph's life he wasn't alone God was with him and he knew that and we're going to see that in just a minute making this personal I said this, sometimes you must go through hardships before you get to the blessings. Did I just say that? Whoops. And then I said, ha, 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 That's not what I said. This is what Cliff Young said. God calls each of us many of what we think are our mundane, everyday lives to do something extraordinary, to really live for him. And I want you, as we go through this series, just to think about your life and what God is trying to do through you. I think too often we focus inward when our focus should be, first of all, it should be up, right? It, it should always be on the Lord. But then it should be on those who God's trying to get us to reach. He uses us. We are Jesus with skin on, as I like to put it. And sometimes the only thing you have to cling to is your faith and your calling. How many realize that? When you find yourself in that place, that it could be a dark place, it could be a deep place, you, you might be looking out and you can just see a little bit of light at the top of the hole. And you know you've got to get out of there sometimes, some way, somehow, Right? And all you can cling to is your faith and the calling that God put on you. Because you know if God called you, He is going to get you out of that fix. Eventually. And then I said, it's all about the timing. You must be prepared as a Christian to exercise your faith. If what you're doing doesn't require faith, it probably isn't from God. And I closed with Genesis 37, the last verse. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, 
an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. This week, we're going to begin Extraordinary Living Part 2, again looking at the life of Joseph. And I just wanted to begin with a word of prayer. I know I kind of already prayed, but Father, again, we are just hungry for you. And I believe that your word will not return void. Lord, today I I trust that there are people either watching online or in this audience who need this message, Lord. I know it's helped to build my faith, and I trust that it will build others' faith as well. And Lord, now we ask that you would just touch our hearts, Lord. Help us to receive from you. And when this is all said and done today, we pray that you would be blessed and you would be well pleased. We ask this again in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Genesis 39, we're skipping over 38 because that's a whole other story. Genesis 39, beginning with verse 1. And I'm going to go through this and then I'll come back and talk a little bit about it. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Of course, we've already heard that. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he was very high up. This was the guy that the Pharaoh trusted to keep him safe. So would you agree that Potiphar had a little bit of influence? The Lord was with Joseph. Now, don't don't miss this part. The Lord was with Joseph. All right. Originally, God gave this young man a dream, right? And then he kind of touted his home. He stood in front of his brothers and said, you're going to bow to me someday, right? And what his brothers do? <laughs> Threw him in a hole. How cool is that? But God said one day, nations will bow to you, including his family. And in his heart, he knew that this was from God. And then here we find him after being sold into slavery. Here we find him now as a slave being sold to Potiphar, the captain of the guard. So even though Joseph is in a bad place, he's really in a good place because he's right where God put him. What's this have to do with us? Listen to me. I don't know where you're at. You may see yourself as, I'm in slavery. I'm all bound up. I I, I can't move. I don't have control of my life. Guess what? If you're right where God wants you, it's okay. God's going to make a way where there was no other way. God is going to use you right where you're at, even though it may seem like you don't have control. Joseph didn't have control, and yet, here he finds himself in the residence of the captain of the guard, Potiphar. Let's continue here. The Lord was with Joseph, so he what? In a few things. Oh, what? Let me finish this. 
He succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of this Egyptian master. When you are serving God, when, when he is your number one, get this, when God is your number one, everything around you is blessed. Ladies, you are in the bear because you need to be helped through this process. But if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, everything around you will be blessed. And you need to realize that. Well, I, I, I still screw up. We all do. But if you're a child of God, it tells us right here that everything around him began to succeed. And that's true for this whole family of believers. You may think that where you're at is just some mundane, boring position, but God has a plan in a purpose. And he's going to help you succeed. And not only you, but those who are around you. So I think this is pretty cool. This is good news. Potiphar noticed this. Oh, so what Joseph had, this relationship, vertical relationship that he had with God, Potiphar noticed. Was Potiphar a believer? No, I highly suspect not. He was Egyptian. And he realized that the Lord was with Joseph. Now, what did he see? What do people see in you? Somebody said fruit. What kind of fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. The list, right? When people see that in us, they recognize that God is moving in us. That God is with us. We're, we're not in this life alone. We look at blizzards different. We look at it as an opportunity to bless other people. Maybe pull people out of the ditch when they accidentally go there, Mary. People see that God is with us somehow, some way. Potiphar noticed the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success again, emphasizing this in everything he did. Man, when you're serving the Lord, in, in, in my life, back when I worked at General Motors, God was with me. And he, he, he helped me through situations. I wasn't that smart. I'm still not. I'm just admitting it. But when I worked on these engines that were half-million-dollar engines, prototypes, handmade, and I'd go in there, and I'd set them up, and I'd start running them, and I'm like, I don't have a clue. And I'd say, Lord, help me not to blow up this engine. Engineers weren't happy when that happened. God, help me. I don't care what you're doing. If you can't figure it out, you can lean on this. God will, say this with me, God will help me succeed. Say it again. One more time. God will help me succeed. It doesn't matter what you're doing. 
This is a principle of being a Christian, a child of the living God. And then what happened? Potiphar made Joseph his personal attendant, and he put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. You think he trusted him? Yeah. Verse 5. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. Not Potiphar's. Again, just, they're emphasizing, the story is emphasizing when you are going after God, when he is your Lord, everything around you will bloom. It's, it's, and, and <laughs> forgive me for this analogy, but it reminds me of right over the septic tank in my yard, it's healthy. Let me just say that, okay? And I only say that because the plants that are around it are like this much bigger than the rest of the plants in my yard, and they're bright green, not right now. Well, yeah, they are. They're just under the snow. I say that, that's how it is. You're fertile when you are a child of God. That's a good way to put it, isn't it? Fertile meaning that you bring life to things. Sometimes you do have to go through the doo-doo, as Pastor Roger eloquently put it. (laughs) God wants to bless us and bless what we do. And the more we look out and not in, the more he does this. All right? You still with me? All his household affairs ran smoothly. I love this part. And his crops and his livestock flourished. I mean, for crying out loud, he hires a slave, and all of a sudden everything blows up in a good way. It's like all of his investments just got a 30% hike. How many wouldn't enjoy that? How many wouldn't just enjoy that? <laughs> Amen. Regardless of where you live, God blesses those around you. And he helps things to run smoothly. Now, if you're facing the opposite of this, don't give up. Sometimes you got to go through the wilderness to get to the promised land. But on the other end of this thing, you're going to experience the, the Lord's peace. And you're going to see that there's blessing because you were faithful and you didn't give up. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Poor Joseph. You know, if he'd been ugly, this probably wouldn't have happened this way. But God made him attractive in verse 7, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. 
Come and sleep with me, darling, she demanded. I'm not going to try to do that again. (laughs) But let me just say this. Things were going smoothly for Joseph up to this point, right? And you can expect, when it seems like everything is kind of leveled off and going well, you can expect some attacks. Because who hates us? What did Jesus say? We have an enemy, a real enemy, enemy, and he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy the children of God. So if, if, if you're experiencing some things like I'm suggesting here, don't relax your faith. Don't stop praying. Keep on putting the armor on. Because believe me, someday, somewhere, somewhere that you're not really paying a lot of attention Something's going to come at you, and you need to be prepared. Well, thank God Joseph was ready for this, right? Because, I know this, because Joseph refused. Now, if he hadn't, I'm assuming that Potiphar's wife was probably a babe. All right, he's, he's the head of everything, pretty much. I mean, the, the, the soldiers. Main guy. So he could pick his trophy wife. And he probably did. So I'm just guessing she wasn't somebody you wouldn't want to be with. But Joseph immediately said no. And this takes prayer. I'm just saying, okay, can I be blunt with you? For the men in here, if somebody is looking at you and they want you, is it easy to say no? Probably not. Now, I'm married to a trophy wife, so I don't, I don't know where she is. See, she didn't even hear that. She's not in here. I say something nice, and she's not here to hear it. It is recorded. But the fact is, Joseph was single. And it would have been really easy for him just to say, okay, you know, why fight it? But he didn't. And I, and I love, we're going to see this, I love the reason he didn't do it. He told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? And then this next part, and this should be the reason For all of us, men, it would be a great sin against God. It wasn't so much that he was going to offend Potiphar as it was he knew what it would do to his vertical relationship with the Lord. And he didn't want to mess that up. I think too many of us need to take this to heart right here and think about when all of this stuff from the world comes at us, on the media or your computer or whatever it is, you need to say, no. Because I know, I know, if I let this lustful thing into my heart, that it's going to hurt my relationship with God. And Joseph knew that. But she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. And he refused to sleep with her. And he kept 
out of her way as much as possible. He was a smart man. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and she grabbed him by his cloak. Those doggone cloaks. You know, he, first he had the coat of many colors. You saw where that landed him. Now it's his cloak. Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. She was no dummy either, by the way. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and he got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. <laughs> oh, the devil watches us. He looks for opportunities. Don't give him an inch, because if you do, he'll take a foot. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him the story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house, he tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Imagine what Potiphar's thinking now. I've given this man everything. He had no clue that God was the one that had blessed Joseph. God. It wasn't Potiphar. Potiphar just happened to be the vessel that God chose to use. And now he's furious because he's thinking, I gave him everything. And the only thing I didn't want him messing with was my babe. So what did he do? He took Joseph and he threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held and there he remained. I wanted to point something out here. When God closes a door, he opens a window. There's always a way out. Always a way out. But the Lord was with Joseph. Say that with me. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. How cool. Now, I have to think, all right, what happened to Potiphar now? Joseph's no longer in his house. What's going to happen to all his livestock and cattle? What, what's going to happen to his investments? What's going to happen? The blessing just left. <laughs> but he didn't realize how blessed he was. But now, notice the warden. Who's the warden? The head of the prison. Isn't this cool? Let's, let's finish this out. I'm almost done reading from the scripture. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. <laughs> now, this probably isn't going to happen today. I don't know, maybe it could. But I'm going to guess it wouldn't. And over everything that happened in the prison. How long is he in here? And already the warden sees the favor of God on him and gives him this high position. I mean, who's going to mess with Joseph? Because he's controlling everything. Nobody's going to mess with him. 
the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. I don't think that it's written this way for the fun of it. God's trying to get us to see something. What is it? When you are walking with your God, Jesus, you're going to succeed. If you're not, is it because of your lack of faith? I don't know. That's a question you should ask. Even though Joseph was in prison, God made a way to bless him. No matter where you find yourself, God can and will bless you as long as you are putting him first in your life. And I add to that, do not give up on your faith. How many times could Joseph have just gone really... I mean, come on, Lord, you told me that I was going to be this great guy down the road. And here I find myself in a hole, and then my brothers sell me to Egyptians, and, and then I, I end up as a slave for some dude in Pharaoh's guard. And if that's not bad enough, I get wrongly accused from this guy's wife, and now I'm in prison for crying out loud. Who would give up? Thank you. One honest, two, two honest people. I would probably give up. This guy has gone through it. And I think that's the point that God wants us to see here. You may be put through the ringer. You know what I mean by that? How many, have you seen the old, in the old days in the 50s before uh, uh, washer, washing machines? And they'd ring the thing out. You had to put it through this crank thing and, and the clothes would go through it and squeeze it so all the water came out. So you might find yourself being wrung out and just going, <gasps> you can't even hardly breathe. And God is saying this, he's saying, look, don't give up, I'm with you. Get to the other side of this thing. And when you get there, you're going to succeed. He's the one that makes sure we do, not us. I can't tell you how many times in my life I found myself in places where I knew I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And you know what that does? How many of you have said that? I can't do this. Raise your hand up. Do you know what that does? It opens the door for God to move. Because as soon as you say, I can't do this, Lord, <laughs> you think he can? Hello? That, if we don't see anything else, that's what I see here. Every time Joseph found himself in another predicament, God showed up and showed favor and blessing. And he became a blessing. That's the kind of God we serve. And there's so much more to Joseph's story. We'll, we'll get to that uh, next week when we meet again. But this week, hearing the twists and the turns, and, and you've already raised your hand about this, that, you know, a lot of us would just say, I can't do this, Lord. 
It's too much. But not Joseph. According to Scripture, he never gives up on his God dream. (laughs) Instead, he does the right things. He refuses to yield to sin. Even though he's He has to go through the depths of hell pretty much to get to this place that God has destined him to be. He doesn't lose his faith. And the result is that God continually blesses him with favor. So I have some takeaways from Joseph's life as they pertain to what what we're calling extraordinary living or extraordinary life. Number one, Joseph could have let his circumstances determine what he did next. But instead of focusing on the negative like many do, Joseph walked through the doors that God had opened. Do you realize sometimes that's all that he expects of us? Look for the open door. So many times in my life, We didn't know what was next. When we went to school, and I shared this last week, how God provided for us to continue going, for Pastor Barb and me to continue going to school. But at the end of that, we ended up going to another college and and did another year in Lakeland, Florida, where I finally graduated eventually, but not then. This was in 92. And while I'm there... Everything we did was blessed. I can honestly say that. Here we are, we have very little income. Couldn't find work. Guy across the road, I wasn't going to talk about this, but just briefly. Guy across the road, his name was Bob. Bob had been unemployed for six months. Polk County, Florida, you look it up, it was one of the most desperate counties in the nation. In 1992 there wasn't any work and I'm married to a woman of faith thank God and we needed a job and there's so much more I could share about blessing but I'm gonna hold off just to share this one little thing we needed work I come in the house and here's Pastor Barb looking through the paper and she's got this thing circled and she's on the phone and I'm like, what, what are you looking at? Oh, they need a, need a dental assistant. And I looked at her, I said, it says right there, you, gotta, you're, you, you don't have any experience. You've never done dental work. Well, I was just going to try. I'm like, I made her hang up. All right, I, there are limits <laughs> to what God can do. I think you need the, the degree first. And then she finds this other one. And I... I Again, guy across the road, he said, you ain't, not, you ain't gonna find, this is Bob, you ain't gonna find no work. And, and he likes smoking big stogies. You ain't gonna find no work. And a beer in the other hand. And I'm not picking on him, I'm just saying. It was kind of a funny sight. Every time we come out the door, you ain't gonna get work. There ain't no work. Nobody's hiring. Okay, all right. She circles this thing, retired ministers wanted. We're in college. We haven't even started yet. She calls. Gets an interview. I'm like, oh, 
okay. And I was going to go to the FedEx and try to get a job there, so I said, well, I'll just drop you off. So I, I took her, and I'm sitting in the car waiting for her. She interviews, and then the guy goes, is your husband here? Well, yeah. Well, bring him in. I'd like to meet him. So I come in. He meets me. I go back to the car. She comes out, kind of excited, you know. Didn't say much. He calls her and says, you got the job. Cash money, and it was a decent amount of money, to sell Holy Land tours. <laughs> We'd never been to the Holy Land, but it didn't matter. And then he calls her back, and he goes, hey, I was just thinking about this. Does your husband want a job? So we both ended up getting hired and went home, and there's Bob. <laughs> well, you didn't get a job, did you? In fact, we both got hired, Bob. Really good pay, too. And I, I liked Bob, so please don't get the wrong impression. Bob was a nice guy. He just wasn't happy that we, he literally said, I've been looking for work for six months. You guys come in here and you Guess what? We had something Bob didn't have. The favor of the Lord. And that, that job got us, in fact, it was kind of sad because Barb was just starting to get to the place where she could have gone on all these trips, including the Holy Land, for free. And we would have been able to, anyway. But that's not important. What ended up coming out of that stint in Florida was this. I got the call from Dave Williams in Lansing. And he said, hey, I need a children's pastor. Are you interested? <laughs> well, guess what? I was interested. Because that was a good job, and I knew it was. But I didn't think I was qualified. I didn't think I, I wasn't qualified. And he still hired me. And guess what? God blessed us. And that ministry grew. We went from a few hundred kids to a thousand kids. That wasn't me. That was the Lord. I give him all the credit. And it was similar, if you will, of what we're seeing here with the story of Joseph. But I went through the door that God opened. And there's so much more to this. I, I can't spend time here, so I'm going to keep moving. Some might say, well, Joseph didn't have any other choice. He was a slave. And hear this part. You would be accurate to say that. He didn't have a choice. But Joseph did have a choice in one way. He didn't have to give everything his all. But he still chose to. Even though he was a slave, he still chose to work his job as unto the Lord. So everything you do in your life, regardless of how mundane it seems, you need to be doing that job as, as though you were working for Jesus. 
And that's the kind of, I'm sorry, i got to grab something here. All of a sudden, the floodgates open. Excuse me, just one. Apologize for that. Ugh. Do everything as unto the Lord. And I believe that's what Joseph did here. Here's one last thing. No matter where you find yourself, make, make lemonade out of lemons. Make lemonade out of lemons. Let God open the doors for you. And what I didn't say with that experience in Florida was that the other church we were working at in Florida was also trying to hire me at the same exact time. And you talk about confusing. And it's like, all right, Lord, <laughs> which one? And, and he actually gave us a choice. He said, you pick. And I said, no, I, I'm not good enough to pick. You pick. And Dave Williams called me five minutes later, and he goes, you still want the job? I said, yes. But that was the Lord showing me which way to go. Number two, no matter his circumstances, Joseph was accused of trying to rape his wife's boss. I'm sorry, his boss's wife. Said that out of order. He knew he was innocent, though. In God's eyes, he was innocent. So Joseph never lost being positive. Joseph never lost being positive. Did I go too far? There we go. Joseph remained positive. He knew that. He knew that God had his back, as I like to put it. Other than Potiphar's wife, everybody spoke highly of Jacob. Uh, Joseph. Man. All right. Settle in. I blew my nose. Apparently I lost some stuff. <laughs> I lost my concentration anyway. <laughs> Jeez. Where did that go? Sorry about that. Yeah. So what is so crucial about Joseph is his positive attitude. It lends to the favor of the Lord when you don't lose your faith. It also helps a person to make friends. <laughs> he had all kinds of friends. Maybe not Potiphar's wife, because he wouldn't do what she wanted to do, but everybody else. Somebody needs to hear this here. <laughs> if you act like you just bit into a sour pickle... And that's how you walk through life. Nobody's going to want to be around you. I don't know who this is for, but I felt like when I, when I was putting this together, the Lord said, there's somebody in the audience that needs to hear this. Put another way, nobody likes a negative Nancy. I've got a lot of cliches in this message today, but it's true. And if your name is Nancy, I'm sorry. Oh, there is one here. I hope you're not negative. Oh, okay, good. She says she's not. And then Cliff Young says of this, the lesson that we can learn is not to allow our... Read this with me. The lesson that we can learn is not to allow our circumstances to dictate how we see our life or how we live our life. Would you agree with me that Joseph's doing a pretty good job here? All right, so far anyway. We haven't got to the end, but we will. By changing your perception to be more positive, even during or perhaps most, most importantly 
when you're in a challenging situation, that's where you can actually inspire, encourage, and lead others to greatness. You see, when life's going well, people aren't watching your life. They aren't going, oh, look what God's doing with them. But when they see you go through some difficult situations, and they see you giving the glory to God, saying, look, I know, I know it's not easy for me right now, but I'm not losing my trust and faith in Him. He's got this. I may feel like I'm about at the end of my rope, but I know God's got this. And that's what people look at and they go, wow, how do I get that? How do I get that? Finally, number three, learn to invest in others. This is so important. We are a selfish people. Right? We often think of ourselves, we seldom think of others. Now, if you're a mom, that might be a little different, especially if you have little kids, because I've seen you. And you know if you don't step up and help that little child from the beginning of the day, first thing, they're probably going to die. So that's important that you aren't selfish there. But that's how we all need to be. Using a mom for a good example. We need to look for ways to invest in other people. And when you find yourself in, in the, the deepest, darkest places, and this isn't going to be easy, and I'm not suggesting it is, but when you find yourself there, one of the best things you can do is to think of a way to bless somebody else. You will be amazed at what this does for your own spirit when you'll do this. Make it your life purpose to pour into other people, making their lives a little better or a little richer by some ra random act of kindness. You've probably heard of Rick Warren. He wrote the book, uh, The Purpose Driven Life. He said this, he said, focusing on ourselves will never reveal our life's purpose. Being selfish isn't going to get you anywhere. That's how I put this. When you're down, do something for somebody else. Get your focus off of you. When a person learns this, he or she becomes wise. Look at your neighbor and say, you're looking wise today. I believe Joseph understood this principle. No matter what came his way, he kept his chin up and he expected to see his God dream come to pass one day. An extraordinary life fulfills the person's God purpose. Now hear this part. There may be something, <laughs> I'm not trying to scare anybody, there may be something that God is going to call you to do, if he hasn't already, something that is going to be history changing, world changing. And if you already know what that is, that's great. And, and here is this, the, where I'm going with this, 
You may be given something down the road, something future tense that God wants you to do, like Joseph. Someday, people are going to bow to you, your family, a nation. But while you're going there, while you're traveling the journey to get there, don't forget that God is going to continue doing things in your life to get you there. He isn't going to just wait until you get to that place where you fulfill that God dream to start using you. He wants to use you right now. Say right now. Well, I'm not ready. Then get ready. What you waiting for? Joseph was going... Man, this dude is going through it. Slavery, to being accused of rape, getting thrown into prison. What did he do all the way through this process? He blessed other people because God used him over and over. His sight may have been set on that future tense dream that God had given him. But it never lost sight of what was right here. What is God doing in your life right now where you are impacting other people? You're a blessing to other people. Mary, can I pick on you? I'm going to anyway. You're a hairstylist. And I know this because I know your story a little bit. She uses her ability to style hair to minister to people. She doesn't just go, I don't want to talk. <laughs> she talks. And in the process, she helps people walk through. I'm going to guess you probably ought to be making money like a psychiatrist because that's probably more sometimes what you feel like. P people share their stuff. And you help them Amen. in Jesus' name. And that's what we're all supposed to do. And I didn't ask her for permission. I hope that's all right. Too late now anyway. So don't discount the fact that the Lord is using you along the way to positively influence others in smaller ways. And, I, and I've added here relational ways. Everything we do as a believer is about relationship. It's about people. Souls. People are souls. And it's about us reaching those people in any way, shape, or form. And God, God chooses to use us to plant sometimes little seeds, sometimes big seeds in people's lives just to help get them to that place where they see the cross and they go, huh, I wonder if I need that. And God uses us in that way. I'm just about the end of this. Hang on, a little, little further. How many have watched the movie It's a Wonderful Life? George Bailey. I love that guy. He, he was a knucklehead. Brother Larry, he was a chucklehead, as you would call him. This guy, he didn't know whether he was coming or going, but he didn't care. He was just happy-go-lucky, man. Everything was going good for him. And then the uh, depression hit uh, and put up everything. 
And good old George, I mean, he had a wife, he had a, it was an old house, all right? It's a money pit. Anybody ever have a money pit? That was George. And George started giving up on his dream. And he actually said this out loud. <laughs> See, the thing is, God hears everything. And George said, I don't even know why I was born. Any of you say that? Hmm? I don't even know why I was born. So God took the opportunity. This is a movie, by the way. <laughs> Wonderful life, right? And he sends an angel who hadn't gotten his wings yet, and his name was Clarence. Clarence. <laughs> Love Brother Clarence. He's our angel. And Clarence's mission was to help George to realize it was important that he was born because God used him. But George had lost sight of how many people he had influenced. And that little angel, Clarence, started to show George Bailey his life what it would have been like, what the world would have been like, that little town would have been like had George not been born. How many have seen the movie? And what happened? It was a dark world without George. The only people that succeeded were the wicked people. And there were so many different things on the, on the street, on the town, boardwalk, whatever you'd call it, that weren't there with George there, but without George, it was Sin City. It was like the start of Vegas. And at the end of this whole thing, George finally realizes, I did influence people in a good way. God used me. And the whole point of it is this. I don't believe Joseph necessarily understood everything God was doing in his life. But as we're going to see when we come back, Joseph had a huge impact on everybody. This is what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us and to you folks today. You may think I don't know why I was born. But God is doing things through you that you don't even realize. And you're impacting people positively just because you're being faithful and not giving up. It may be family, it may be friends, it may be coworkers. I don't know. Maybe a whole city or state. Who knows what God's going to do with you? Only the Lord. But get this in your heart today. Don't ever think the Lord's not using me. Because he is. And it's the little places, the little ways God uses us that I believe are making the most difference in this world that you and I live in today. 
It may not make sense to you today, but perhaps the reason that you are where you are is because God has placed you there so that you could be a blessing to someone else. Would you stand with me? That's what happens when we purpose to live our lives extraordinarily. I wanted to close with this last scripture passage. It's Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, and you've probably read it more than once. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Why am I sharing this? Because you may not think God is doing anything in your life, but I'm here to correct you. If you're serving Him, and He's number one, and you're doing your best, according to scriptural living, God is using you. God is not only going to bless you, but He's going to bless those around you. Do this. Do this. God's going to bless me, and God's going to bless around me. It's not just for you. It's for those around you. Get, get that selfish thing out of your head, because as believers, we shouldn't be selfish. God put you here to bless others. And when you bless others, you get that reciprocal factor coming back, and God blesses you. As you give, so shall it be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, pouring over. Come on. That's, Jesus said that. We don't always understand what God is doing. But when you know He is moving by faith, go through those open doors. That may not make a whole lot of sense. And one thing I've learned in all my years of serving the Lord is that He never gives me more than I need to know where to go next. I wish He did. But He doesn't. He makes us live by faith. That's just how he is. You don't like it, you're probably in the wrong place. Like Joseph, purpose to live an extraordinary life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we... We humbly just yield to you today. And I, I want to ask, I feel like I'm supposed to ask this question. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Norm, I think I've been second-guessing God. I haven't really been believing that he's doing anything with my life. And I want to repent of that bad attitude. If that's you, just lift your hand up real quick. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you. You can put them down. Lots of hands going up here. I believe, and I don't believe, I know God is in the business of second chances. And you know that's what the hope is all about. That's, that's our 
tagline. We are in the business of second chances. When people come to this church, we don't say, where have you been? We say, where are you going? We don't question the things that, that you have gone through up to this point in life. We're here to help lock arms with you to get you to those pearly gates someday where we're all saying hallelujah praise the Lord and we'll be there forevermore but until that day we're in this together one big family <laughs> and we need to help each other and God wants to use you so stop being a negative Nancy nope nope no offense Nancy we're going to call you positive, Nancy. Start living by faith. Looking for ways to bless other people with small, random acts of kindness. You will be amazed. I've seen it. I've, I've watched. I've shared this so many times. I go in the store. My wife's in front of me. Everybody's smiling because she starts it. She's just smiling away. I've never asked you this. Do you always want to smile? You just do. I, okay. I'm sorry. I've never asked you that. I just know she does it. And, and as soon as I see this, as soon as somebody sees her smiling, what do they do? Smile back. How cool is that? It warms your heart. And that's what God expects from us. Smile. Be positive. Know that if God is your God, everything around you is going to be blessed. And even though sometimes it may not seem that way, don't let it stop you from believing. And I'm going to get to this. Here's the best part about the end of the story. If Joseph had given up, his miracle was right over the next hill. If he'd given up, he would have lost everything that God was going to do in his life. And I'm happy to say he didn't. We'll find that out next week. So I want to pray with you. After I get a quick drink. I'm going to make this a universal prayer. If, if you are inclined, pray this with me. Heavenly Father, help me, Lord, to live like Joseph, regardless of where I find myself. Slave, in prison, wherever. May I continue to serve you and those around me. May I continue to trust you and believe that when I put my best foot forward, you are going to show favor on me and the ground around me is going to be like Pastor Norm's septic tank. Come on. It's going to be fertile and good things are going to come from it. I believe 
that it is the blood of Jesus that cleanses me of my unrighteousness. I believe that Jesus paid that ultimate price for me to have eternal life one day and life on this side of heaven as well and abundant life. I trust you, Jesus. I honor you today with all that I am and all that I have. Now help me to be obedient, to live for God, and to look for ways to bless others with random acts of kindness. I commit my life into your hands, and the very success of it, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Give the Lord a hand today. I'm going to release you on that note. Father, keep, I've already prayed it, but I'll pray it one more time. Keep us safe as we come and go today. Uh, Lord, we love you. Use this church to reach the lost. We pray in Jesus' name. By the way, uh, one last little housekeeping thing. I forgot to mention it. We're not going to do the meet the pastors today because there are a lot of people missing thanks to the good old blizzard. So we're going to do this next week. And uh, you'll see more coming about all the other stuff that's coming our way. God bless you.